This is Jen from Grace for Single Parents, where your parenting and God's grace collide. Welcome back to Grace for Single Parents. Today I'm talking with Martha Bodyfelt. She is a divorce recovery coach, and we talk about the healing process after divorce. Hi, Martha. Hi, good morning. It's so nice to be here and speak with your listeners. Yeah, I think it'll be a great conversation. So do you want to start off by kind of walking us through what led you to become a divorce recovery coach? Absolutely. So I got divorced and I went through a very painful, drawn out divorce about 12 years ago. And I took a lot of time to recover and it took me a while, although I got divorced a little bit younger at the age of 30. And I think the reason that it took me so long is because I was making all of the mistakes. Think of any mistake in the world that you can make while going through a separation and divorce. And I did it and I did it on steroids. And once it maybe, I would say maybe about five years later, having kind of the time and the luxury of the 2020 hindsight to take a look at how did this define me? If I had to do this again, how did I do it differently? And really kind of using that as my healing and call it fader kismet. A couple years after I was divorced, I had a couple of very close friends and family members starting to go through their own painful divorces. And they started asking me for advice saying, well, you've been here before. What kind of advice can you give on, on XYZ, whether it was with a lawyer or logistics or healing or dating again. And then I had a friend who I was giving some good advice to ask me, Martha, do you think there's actually such thing as a divorce coach? a divorce recovery coach. And it was that one question that that person asked that kind of opened this whole door. And so I pursued divorce coaching through the International Coaching Federation. I became a divorce coach. I started writing for Psychology Today and Huffington Post, sharing my experience, sharing advice. And I guess fast forward a good five or six years later, the rest is history. And I work as a divorce recovery coach, helping women heal through what is sometimes some of the worst parts of their life and just really, uh, really kind of having a mission and a calling to do that now. Yeah, that's awesome. I love the question you said you asked yourself of how does this define me? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mm -hmm. think that's a really good one. Absolutely. Because I think when, when single parents and folks, they, they end relationships or, or, or different like that, whether it's through a divorce or a separation or a breakup or a, or, or a death or something along the lines of that, we go through an identity crisis because this idea that the world has put and our culture has put as wives and mothers, and although those are very worthy identities that we should be proud of, they cannot be our only identity. And when we go through divorce, those identities are kind of like the rug has been taken out from underneath our feet. And we wonder, well, who I am in this world, if I have lost that part of the identity. And so I think a lot of the work with divorce recovery coaching is creating that space and making clients feel safe that it's okay to kind of explore who they are in addition to all of these other things. Right. So what's the difference between a divorce recovery coach versus just a coach or maybe even a counselor? How do you know which one to go to? 
Right. I mean, and so I think that's a really good question. And uh, I, I, it's going to be a little bit of a lengthy answer if that's, if that's okay. So if you guys can just bear with me on that. So here's how I see it. And with, with, my, with my training and certification, this is how we delineate ourselves from the other professionals. So a counselor and a therapist, I went, one through my, went through one with my divorce. They were a godsend. I actually have my clients, they're going through, they go to therapy as well. But with counseling and therapy, I'm sure as your audience knows that that is examining and taking a look at your past life, your family origin story, the things that have have shaped you and shaped your ideas up until this point and trying to figure out what is going on with those narratives that might be keeping you stuck now and dealing with that in the presence and dealing with grief or guilt or things like that. However, with the Divorce Recovery Coach, what we do is we pick up the baton from the present moment and we look at the future. What is it that you want your future to look like? How is it that you want to feel every morning? What are the things that you want to do? How do you want to define yourself? How do you want to have that relationship with your children as a single parent, but still feeling grounded in just who you are and feeling enough as you are? And then we work on that. I like to think of divorce recovery coaches almost as personal trainers that you come with a goal, you come with a challenge, and you're going to have an expert break those challenges down so they are in manageable pieces for you with an accountability partner to be with you as you actually reach those goals in the future. So we go from the present planning and ensuring a wonderful future, whereas I see therapists and counselors as they're helping you kind of unpack the things in the past to help you deal with some of the challenges that you're having in the present. Now, as far as coaches, there are lots of different coaches, and uh, I can't speak to all of the uh, all of the professions. But you have health coaches, nutritional coaches, dating coaches, life coaches, midlife coaches, business coaches, and those folks. I see that as they are experts in their field with kind of some of that same methodology, especially if they've gone through the International Coaching Federation. But mine, I guess, is a way more kind of a specific catered just to folks who are working through divorce recovery. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So what have you found doing this? I don't know. You said maybe five years or more. Mm -hmm. Um, What common mistakes do you see women make when they come to you after their divorce? So I have a lot of clients coming from all sorts of different backgrounds, but Regardless of those backgrounds and regardless of what brought them to me, I do see a couple of very commonalities that are keeping them stuck and keeping them from moving on. So I think the number one thing I see is them putting a timeline on their healing. And unfortunately, although you have family members and friends who mean well and are trying to kind of assist you with the divorce healing, what they'll say is, well, you have to get out there and get, get, get back out there. You have to just put yourself out there. And while that intention and while those words can be well-meaning, that actually kind of creates a pressure for the person who's trying to recover because they think, well, am I, am I complaining too much? Am I talking too much? Am I, am I giving my, my family and friends compassion fatigue? What is wrong with me? So not only are they feeling bad and trying to recover from the divorce, but then they feel bad because they think that they're talking too much to their friends and family. And then they feel even worse because they think I'm running behind. Why haven't I recovered yet? And so those are the mistakes is putting that pressure and rushing to try to 
hurry up and recover when your recovery is all your own and it's going to take it's going to take the time that it that it needs to take for you so i think there's that and i think one of the other big mistakes is that a lot of my clients mainly they're 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 women who are single moms based on just kind of the new reality in front of them they're not taking enough time for themselves because what a lot of divorced women and a lot of single parents do is they say I just need to 100% dedicate myself to my children. And that's great. If you're an excellent parent, you're a single parent. You're probably going to be fulfilling a lot of the duties that maybe you might have had shared when you were when you were partnered up. But while I think that dedicating the time and making sure the kids are okay, that's great. But what they lose as well is taking the time for their own healing. And so they go into taking care of their children. They go into working and they put all their work and all their effort for being a good single mother, a good single parent, to being a good employee. But they don't take that time to figure out what they want and what gives them joy. And so I think that is a big mistake. And another big mistake, I think, is folks are not, while they're not ready to date, they think they are and they try to date right away. And while they're still trying to heal, there's the rejection, there's a disappointment. It's a jungle out there when you try to date again. And if you're not in a good, confident place, that's going to shatter you even more. So I think those are the three common challenges. The biggest ones that I see is trying to date quickly. It's not taking time for yourself. And then also putting that pressure on yourself to just hurry up and move on. Yeah, I I've seen all of those and experienced them as well. Mm -hmm. And I love what you say about the healing because we're all on our own journey and someone Mm -hmm. may heal in a year and someone else, it may take years Mm -hmm. of healing, but it's, it's about you and your healing, not what you should do or get over it. Absolutely. And I think unfortunately in our culture, you have a lot of kind of these happily ever after stories that are just not realistic. And we kind of put our pressure pressure on ourselves as divorced individuals when we see those. Things I see like that are kind of like eat, pray, love, where this idea that if you go and run off and travel, you're just going to go ahead and find the love of your life and things are going to be fine. And that 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 does not happen if you don't do the inner work and give yourself that time to to heal. And so that can be very frustrating and just kind of giving yourself that permission to grieve, to work through that, as well as then to plan and be mindful about what you want your future to look like instead of just being reactive and then just kind of feel like you're 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 a hamster on a wheel running in circles. You owe it to yourself. We all owe it to ourselves to give ourselves a time for reflection and healing. Yeah, that's that's so good. So what if there's someone listening who's been divorced for quite a while, but feels stuck? Mm-hmm. What would you normally say to someone in that position? This is actually what I see a lot when I do have sales calls or when I have folks come to me who are interested in working with me that they say, you know what, I've been separated or I've been broken up with, or I have been divorced for two to three years, but I still feel stuck. And so I would say to them, and kind of the main thing I start working on with my clients when we start working together is you need to get absolutely crystal clear on what's keeping you stuck. And spoiler alert, it's never that one thing. It's 
never going to be, well, my husband's already moved on and my ex-husband's moved on and he's a jerk. That's what's keeping me stuck. Or he's not paying the child support that he's supposed to. That's what's keeping me stuck. Or my mom is so annoying and she has no boundaries and I'm a 45 year old woman. And why is my mom calling me all the time? That is not what is keeping them stuck. What you need to do is get very crystal clear and to dig really deep on what it is that's actually keeping you stuck. And a lot of times it's not going to be in plain sight. I know my clients come to me because when you're having a coach who's actually really specialized in that, who's worked with hundreds of women in that, such as myself, we can work through that. But what I have seen kind of the commonalities of when folks are having a hard time moving past the divorce and healing, I've seen, I would say, three main things that are keeping them stuck. Bottom line, it's people pleasing is we, especially as women, especially as single parents, are just used to making sure that all the trains are running on time, everything's done, everything's taken care of, and we derive that people pleasing, we think, well, then that means I'm worthy. That means I'm a good person. If I'm making sure that everybody's happy in my life, that everything is taken care of, then that's a direct reflection on me. And when you are wired to just please people for that validation, and you're using that validation as a way to feel good about yourself, it's no wonder why you feel stuck. So I think that's the main one I see is the people pleasing. I also see folks really dealing with guilt and shame that may have come from growing up in an environment that was full of shame and guilt and them carrying that with them after the divorce. And it goes kind of back to that identity that if you're just defining yourself within the lens of being a spouse and then that identity goes away, there's going to be that feeling of guilt and shame because of that. And that that is something I think that is definitely keeping folks stuck And then the third thing I see that are keeping a lot of women stuck, a lot of my clients and readers in particular, is there is a fear of being alone, Mm -hmm. that they don't want to be alone and they're scared of the future. And because they're scared and they, they are looking at through terms of scarcity and they think it's just going to be this big, dark place where I'm lonely with 18 cats. Frankly, I think just chilling with 18 cats sounds wonderful if I wasn't so allergic to them. But that fear of being alone and not having a plan to combat that makes them make decisions that are not in their best interest. And it goes through that cycle again of having to be validated by other people, making bad decisions and dating, not taking time for yourself. And if we can nip that in the bud, which is something I do as a divorce recovery coach, that's going to set that trajectory for your recovery in a far better direction than if you're still feeling full of guilt and shame and stuck years after the divorce. Yeah, those are all good. And for each one, I was thinking about different things related to that, that I've seen as well. And with the guilt and shame, a lot of single parents are ashamed to admit that they're a single parent um, Mm -hmm. or that, but even if they're not a parent, I think a lot of guilt or shame around just saying that you're divorced. Sure. Absolutely. Which is crazy because I don't know the most recent statistics, but I remember a couple of years ago hearing the number 50%, 50%, 50% of marriages leading divorce. And then they say that if it's your second or third marriage, there's actually a higher chance of getting divorced. And so there is this, this shame, but you know, if a big number of the population is divorced, why is it still shameful? And I know I work with a lot of single parents that say, well, my marriage is a failure, therefore I am a failure. 
and I like to gently push back on that saying, that's not a failure. It's that it just didn't work. And a failure is that you chose to in that marriage for the health of your children who should not be growing up in it where they are seeing behavior that somebody is staying in something that does not serve them, where somebody is staying in something where they are disrespected or they are abused or something along the lines of that. And so if we can get over kind of that narrative that the end of a marriage equals failure, therefore I am not worthy. And if we can completely reverse that, and that's something that we do in my coaching practice, just imagine that life that you can have, not only for yourself, but when you're, when you're raising your children and that kind of role model and that kind of example you're setting for them. So then they can go out in the world because they know what a good relationship is. They know what self-respect is and self-worth is. What a gift to give to your children if you're able to work through and overcome that narrative that you were a failure because your marriage ended. Yeah, so true. And the shame is, and guilt, it's only affecting us and our kids, mm-hmm. not helping us in any way. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's a, we just, we need to question that. It's where does that, where does that shame come from? Where does that guilt come from? And we kind of, sometimes with my clients, we kind of dig into that a little bit. I'm not a therapist, but we do, we kind of get a better understanding. And what I see a lot is that, well, it came for me because I dirtied my dress and when I dirtied my dress. My mom said that I was a bad girl and that, or I, spoke too loudly in, in high school and I was, I got detention. And, you know, if I, uh, 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 my father, my uncle said, well, you're not going to attract a man if you're going to, if you're going to be mouthy young lady. And so all of these little things in our upbringing, they're these pieces, they're these pieces of the puzzle that then can be these narratives that we're operating from that maybe don't serve us. And a part of the work that I do is actually with my clients is we break all those narratives down. We blast them one by one. Those narratives no longer serve you. So now it is time as a single parent, as someone who is divorced, who is now raising your children, maybe co-parenting, but you are doing this on your own right now. Now is the time to build up healthier mindsets, healthier, I like to call it operating code that will serve you better. That is one of resilience. That is one of self-love and self-worth. That is radical self-acceptance. And if you can have that, and you teach your children that lesson, just imagine they're going to be able to avoid all the things that you had to deal with. They might be able to get into a healthier relationship that's going to serve this better. And you are breaking that cycle that your parents and your grandparents couldn't because they didn't have the tools and the ability to. But you're doing that when you're questioning those assumptions, when you're saying, I refuse to feel guilty. I refuse to be ashamed because this marriage ended. How powerful is that? And how powerful is that as a single parent to your children? And how powerful that is to your children and your grandchildren and the generations after you, because you are breaking that cycle. Yeah. Just gives me goosebumps. Yep. <laughs> and another one I see, and maybe it's related to people pleasing, but codependency, mm-hmm. whether we realize it or not, we may still actually be codependent on that relationship in the way that, you know, well, as you said, I can't move on because he, whatever, Mm -hmm. Uh, Or, you know, because many of us are still co-parenting with them, that's Mm -hmm. still, it's very easy to still be codependent in that relationship and all of your ex's moves, you think that they're personally affecting you. Absolutely. And if I may share a story with the client, she 
had two teenage kids at home and they went through a very messy divorce. Her, her ex, her current ex-husband was kind of a narcissistic, emotionally abusive. And because he was the one who was paying for the teenage girl's car. So that's all. My client was completely taking care of herself, doing, doing everything, had her own thriving career. This guy, I'm not, I'm going to leave out the expletives that, that I'll, I'll, I'll spare your readers those, but thought that because he was paying for the teenage daughter's car, that he could come in and use the pool whenever he wanted. Mm. And it was kind of a, and working through, working with her, well, I owe him that because he's paying for my child's car. And it was just kind of that, I mean, that is, I'm not sure if that's codependence, but it is kind of a, it's kind of this mental kind of block that we tell ourselves that I owe this person this because we had this thing in the past. And it is really questioning and challenging that. And it's not coming at a comp from a confrontational place, not, oh, why do you think that you're dumb? It's not that at all, but well, let's, let's, let's talk about that. What are the reasons you think that? Is it serving you right now? Is it serving your teenage daughter right now? What can we do instead to build those boundaries so you can break free of that codependence or break free of that coding that thinks that you owe this person something because you don't. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of listeners want to start dating again. And I know you said that often they go into it too quickly, but what mm-hmm. advice would you give if someone was maybe they're ready or maybe they're, they don't know if they're ready, but right. where would they start? What would they do? I love this question because after working with my clients for about three months, they all come to me saying, I think I'm in a good place. I think I'm ready to date, but I'm terrified because they say that the only things that they're seeing are online, online profiles of a dude with a fish who's wearing like a hat and sunglasses. I'm thinking, is it all the same person? But what I like to challenge my clients with is to know if they're ready to date is asking them, are you in a place right now with the work we've done with building up the new narratives with feelings of self-worth? Are you in a place right now that you feel like you will be okay if you get rejected? Hmm. That you will be okay if you right, you will be okay if you get ghosted. You will be okay if you're on the online profiles and nothing is really kind of catching your eye. And if they say, well, I don't know, I don't want to be rejected, then we take some time instead to kind of work on that, to get you to a place that I'm not saying that getting ghosted is going to ever make you feel great, but instead getting to a place that, oh, I'm kind of bummed, but you know, that's, that's life. Uh, I've kind of, maybe I dodged a bullet and getting to that mindset versus what is wrong with me? I'm going to be alone forever. I'm going to, I'm, I'm unlovable. So getting to a mindset where you know, you're going to be okay. And so that is the number one one. I think the number two thing to figure out if you're ready to date or not, or some kind of advice, if you're, if you're thinking about it as well, is you need to, and this is before you even get on bubble or match or any of the other apps or going to like a a blind date or however, is you need to be so clear with your standards. And it's not shared interests. That is not, well, I insist on being with a guy who likes to play tennis because darn it, I love to play tennis. It's not that. It's not, well, I'm a Leo, and that means that I can only be with men who are Aries or Sagittarians. It's, it's, it's not that. Those are just, those are things, those are very surface level things that do not matter. 
But when we talk about setting your standard, it is knowing this is a value that is very important to me. That is a non-negotiable. Now, if that value is I need to have clear communication, if you know your kind of attachment style, and if you're like an anxious attachment or an, you know, an insecure attachment, that I know that I need somebody who is, is okay with communicating things with me in a matter that is not going to make me feel freaked out. It's kind of knowing that, knowing your standard. Or I know I need to be with someone who is financially compatible. And that's not saying everybody go find a sugar daddy, but if you had financial issues with your ex, if your ex was financially abusive, if your ex was hiding money, if your ex was something like that, or if your ex kept your money from you, it is important for you to recognize you need to be with someone who's okay with having a separate account, with somebody who is not in a lot of debt, with somebody who knows their, their spending. So different things like that. that, that is your standard. So it is okay to have standards. You need to have the standards instead of just going out there and liking somebody just because they liked you back. That is the worst way to date. So you need to go in with your standards. And then you also, I think, going in to set your intention that I am here because I want to find love, because I want to find my next partner. And then dating with that instead of, well, I guess I'll go on this date because this guy said hello to me and uh, he asked me out for a coffee. Or going out with someone who says they just want to have a little bit of fun when you're actually looking for somebody serious to date. So you got to know your standards and you need to set your intention. And then I think also, if you know that online dating is not for you, then don't online date. Go out to things that you like to do, go out to places that you have fun, go out to things that bring out the best in you and do that because then while you're having fun with that, you're going to probably meet people who might bring out the best in you as well. So I think those are the three things is really getting grounded in and being honest with yourself. Are you ready to date? Are you going to be okay if you get rejected? Also having your standards, defining your values, what are non-negotiables for you, as well as kind of setting your intention. What do you want to get out of dating? And then dating from that approach. Those are the three things that I would recommend for, for folks who are interested in dipping their toe in the, in the dating pool again. That, those are good. I really like asking yourself if you would be okay if, you're be, if you were going to be rejected. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big one. And I see a lot of, a, and, and I, I say that and I preach that because I know myself when I was going through dating again after my divorce, I was not in a good place to date. And so if somebody ghosted me after, you know, being intimate or anything like that, I, I was, it took me months to recover from that. Or somebody who we went on a couple of dates that I thought was really great saying, you know what, this is just, is not going to work for me. And just that actually feeling worse than the end of my marriage. And so looking back, it's like, because I was not at a place where I had strong self-worth and strong confidence. So it's, it's absolutely critical because otherwise, if you don't have that, you're going to get discouraged and you're going to feel bad. And then you're going to start getting back into kind of that mindset of I'm going to be alone forever. I'm, I'm never going to find love again. And we don't want you there. And so if we can get you grounded, and this is something that I do with my clients who are looking to date, if you get grounded in that strong foundation, then dating is going to be fun then you're going to meet a lot of incredible people. And if you don't end up with them, that's fine. At least you're going to have that 
love with yourself and feeling grounded and confident. And that's going to give you kind of that resilience to, to get back out there because yeah, dating's not easy. <laughs> well, I think everything that you've talked about today is just so valuable. Are there any last words that you want to leave the single moms out there? I, I think one of the things that's important for me, my clients have actually taught me is that really knowing to all you incredible women who are doing 18 jobs, you're serving as a mom, you're serving as a nurse, you're serving as a cook, you're serving as a counselor, plus doing all the other things is just really knowing that you are enough. You are enough just as you are. You are beautiful and perfect just the way you are. And society is not going to take that from you. Messaging is not going to take that from you. The bad negative self-talk or however you were brought up, if you weren't brought up like with, with positive energy or anything that you hear from the media or even the bad kind of mental stuff that you're thinking about from fights with your ex, none of that matters. What matters is that you are here, you are alive, and you are a survivor, and you have only good things coming your way. I think those are kind of my, uh, my parting words for the, for the single, for the single moms out there. Wonderful. Thank you. Where can people find you? I would invite all of your listeners to come and visit me at my website. It is just my name, MarthaBodyFelt.com. Yes, it's a real name. M-A-R-T-H-A-B-O-D-Y-F-E-L-T.com. And when you're there, you can sign up for our newsletter and you can actually take a short 15 second quiz to find out the real thing that is actually keeping you stuck from moving on. So we'd love to have you in our community and subscribe to the free newsletter. Great. Thank you. Thank you. If you're a single parent, I invite you to check out my free ebook, Parenting Alone with Confidence. You can find it on graceforsingleparents.com and it'll be in the show notes. Thanks for listening.